Welcome to the weekly podcast from Harvest Ridge Church in North Ridgeville, Ohio. Our heart's desire is that you would grow in your love and devotion to Jesus Christ and that these messages will strengthen your daily walk. For more information about our church, visit us on the web at www.harvestridge.net. Good morning, everyone. How y'all doing? Y'all looking good, looking good. The lights turned up really bright. You look much better. I'm just joking. I'm joking. (laughs) Um, Guess what? We're doing this little thing tonight called Harvest Palooza. Guess what Harvest Palooza? If you're new with us, let me just take a couple of moments and share with you what Harvest Palooza is. Um, We believe that God himself came down in human flesh and became a man and walked among us. And that's called incarnation. So what God did was God didn't wait for us to go to him or do something to get to him. He came to us first. So as a church, what we want to do is we want to go to the the world more on their turf than our turf. That's the reason we do Harvest Palooza in a city park is because we want to do it on their turf. We want to go someplace, people who would never come to church will go to a city park. And that's the reason we're doing Harvest Palooza at the park. And what we want to do is there is a, the, the church has been given a bad name, maybe some of it's rightly so, and that name is that we're just a bunch of judgmental people who are always pointing our fingers and being negative. And what we want to do with Harvest Palooza is we want to give the church of Jesus Christ a good name, and we want to give Jesus a good name by loving people where they are and asking nothing from them. Listen to the core values here. What we're doing is we're going to tell people that God loves them, we love them, we're asking nothing from you, and we're simply giving you something. And what we're giving them is food, free food, free of course, games, kids games with prizes. We're giving them, let me see, what else are we giving? We're giving face painting and balloon animals and bounce houses and music. We're gonna be playing all kinds of music and we're giving them a fireworks show at the end that is, uh, you know, this is a world-class fireworks show. We're paying a world-class organization to do it. So all of this to say, what we're doing is we're going to our community and saying, we love you, God loves you. We wanna meet you on your turf and simply say to you that, that God's, not, God's not a grumpy old jerk who's mad at you because it's his kindness that leads us to repentance. That's, that's in Romans. God's kindness leads us to repentance. What leads us to repentance? Kindness, niceness. So we're going to go be kind and loving to people regardless of where they are in their life. We're going to tell them, Jesus loves you, we love you by our actions, not necessarily our words. We'll let our words back it up if we're asked but we're gonna start with our attitudes and our behaviors. All that understood? So one of the things we like to do as a church is before we do Harvest Palooza, we like to pray for a couple of things. And one of those things we always pray for is that it would be what? Sunny and 75. So I wanna show you what I captured from my phone this morning. Captured this from my phone. And we always ask for an occasional cloud. 
So it, you may say it's a coincidence. It might be a coincidence that it's 7 p.m. when we start. It's 75 sunny with an occasional cloud. That might be a coincidence, or it might be God's reminding you that when you pray, he hears and answers. Could be. And if it's a coincidence, the more I pray, the more coincidences happen. So I'm going to keep praying, and you can keep calling them coincidences because I like God's coincidences, right? All right? Yeah, all right, so we're going to pray for, for that, but we also pray for a couple other things. We pray that we would give Jesus a good name in the community. We pray that the church of Jesus Christ would have its name elevated and people wouldn't be able to say negative things about a church that just serves them and loves them. And we pray that God would open the door to people's hearts and that any resistance or barriers they have to the church would fall down because we want them to know the goodness of Jesus that we've experienced and we want to represent that. So we pray for that to happen. And one of the ways is we pray for God's presence to be over the space. Using a bit of an Old Testament term, it's a canopy. We, so a canopy means a covering and, and, and there are Old Testament reasons for using that phrase. But what we're basically asking God to do is to spread his tent over South Central Park and to throw his tent wide enough that it reaches onto 83, State Route 83, and wide enough that it reaches onto Bainbridge Road, and that under his tent, his presence would be there so powerfully that every person that drives by or comes onto the park would experience the presence of God in a way that draws them to him. That in his presence, says the scripture, there is fullness of joy. And what we want is people to experience the joy of opening their hearts to the presence of God. That's, that's what we're praying for. So we're going to pray for it. And then the last thing we're going to pray for is we do pay a considerable amount of money for fireworks to go up into the sky and one to go up. But we ask God for four to explode. And if he doesn't physically do that, one goes up and four explodes, then I pray that he opens the eyes or he gives them like people quadruple vision so they see four. <laughs> Heavenly quadruple vision, not, not earthly quadruple vision. <laughs> All right. So can we pray this prayer together? We just pray together? Can we do it? All right. Jesus, right now, we ask you. First of all, we thank you for hearing our prayer and, and giving us a 75 and sunny day. Would you make sure that happens, God? Let it be a witness to every one of us that have prayed for it, that it's tangible that you're moving in these moments through our prayers. And God, I pray for sunny 75 with an occasional crowd, cloud to go over and no rain, and that God, you would, you would remind us, your people, that it's not only the work you do for the people of this community, you do it as a reminder to us that you're a God who controls all things, even the weather. And God, we ask as well for a canopy of your presence. Would you just fill South Central Park with your presence, with your glory? Would you do something special and set up your tent over that place today that every person that walks onto those grounds, every person that drives past, they would feel that longing of the Holy Spirit that comes from encountering the goodness and the mercy and the kindness and the love of God. And would you fill that place with your presence. And God, would you give us, your people, the ability to represent you in a way that honors you and gives a good name to you and gives a good name to this community. And if anybody from Harvest Ridge, where
wearing a green shirt is going to walk in with a frown. I pray that you'd do a work in their heart and you'd turn that frown upside down and they would exude the bubbly nature of the goodness of God. And like a stream of living water, you would bubble out of them life and that they themselves would be refreshed in those moments. And that, that as they serve and as they give and as they love, that God, that what they're giving would be poured out on them a thousand times over. And that those things they struggled with before they gave, as they give, you would give to them the fullness of your blessing in return. And God, we ask that you would cause those fireworks to go up God, I've heard it said a dozen times that we put on the best fireworks show in town. And that's not because we pay the most money, but that's because you do the best job. So I'm asking you to do the best job and increase what we invest. Increase what we invest so that the eyes of those that see it and the ears that hear the booms would know that, that the church of Jesus Christ is not trying to be cheap with them, but we're willing to love our community. But would you multiply it in the name of Jesus? We pray these things. And everybody said... Amen. Now, let me talk for a second about serving. If you're a person and you're serving, the reason we push you to serve so hard at Harvest Ridge, the reason we push you to serve is you can look it up in Ephesians chapter 4. The only way you spiritually mature, the only way for you to grow up spiritually is for you to serve. That we mature as each part does its work. That's the only way for you to grow up. So we use this opportunity to push you, if you've never served, into serving so that maybe you can experience the joy of the Lord and take a full step in your maturity. Because until you're serving, you're not growing. Until you're giving, you're not growing. And, and I want you to grow up in Christ. That's what I want. All right? So if you're a guest with us today, it's a good day to be a guest. We're going to do this. We're going to pull the doors open and we're going to give you a view of the inside of who we are as a church and why we do the things we do. Now, if you are a regular attender of Harvest Ridge, you probably heard this so much, you're going to be like, yeah, same song, same verse. Well, that's good. It is good for you to hear the same thing over and over again because it reaffirms what our core is. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to take a few moments today. I found this out from advertisers. They say that until you advertise something seven times, until a person sees something seven times, they don't actually get the message. So I'm going to tell you this message over and over and over again until you not only get it, but until it's what we cut you and this is what bleeds out of you. You ready? Y'all ready? You sure? All right, I got to open your Bibles then to 1 Timothy chapter 2. Pull a Bible out. You're going to want to do this. The core of what we're going to do is just hang right in this text in 1 Timothy chapter 2. All right, so I, I have a joke. I usually tell a couple. Today I'm only going to tell one because this one's so good. Why are your fingers the most reliable part of your body? Because you can always count on them. Now, some jokes are good enough, they stand alone. They even walk by themselves. Oh, sorry. So, he cheated on his wife. And in retaliation, she cheated on him. They started fighting a lot to the point that the police were called to their house several times. They were in the throes of a divorce, and then they showed up at Harvest Ridge. 
I won't give more details, but I'll say I led them both to Christ in my office and prayed with them. And God did a work through some people in this church investing in them, and their lives were restored, their marriage were restored. They now raised three kids in a different community because they moved away for good reasons. And they raised those kids to follow Jesus Christ. They're still married, and they're happily and healthily growing old together. Let me tell you why. Because no one is too messed up for Jesus to restore them. No one is too messed up for Jesus to restore them. He was addicted to heroin. That day he was on his way to kill himself when a pastor from Harvest Ridge hunted him down, searched him out, brought him back. We prayed with him. He dedicated his life to Christ. He went through Teen Challenge. He ministers regularly in this church. Married, three kids, solid job, restored life. Because no one is too messed up for Jesus to restore them. He was a self-righteous religious man with no joy. He made spiritual excuses for his own misery. And then one day he walked through Harvest Ridge and his own family would tell you his life has forever been changed. And now he's the most giving and loving person, might be one of the most compassionate, giving and loving people I know. Because even religious people need to encounter the G love of Jesus. Because no one is too messed up for Jesus to restore them. She was a little girl, dead in her trespasses and sin at the horrible age of six. Horrible sinner when she recognized she needed Jesus. She gave her life to Jesus Christ in kids' church. And now she serves and gives and loves people nearly every week at Harvest Ridge. <laughs> because no one is too messed up, even kids, for Jesus to restore them. The core value of who we are as a church is this statement. Can we say it together out loud? No one is too messed up for Jesus to restore them. No one. Matter of fact, the Apostle Paul wrote this in 1 Timothy 1.15. He said, here is a trustworthy saying. Paul is writing a letter to Timothy, who is a pastor of a church. As he's writing this letter to Timothy, a pastor of a church, he's telling him some things that Timothy needs to tell the church. Timothy is a young, quiet man. Paul was an old dictatorial guy. He's telling him, do this, do this, do this. And he says this, 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 15. Here is a trustworthy saying. Can you put that on the screen for me? Here is a trustworthy saying that deserves what kind of acceptance? Full acceptance. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. And he says, Paul says, of whom I'm the worst. Now I choose to disagree with him because I'm the worst. Oh, we got somebody that disagrees. They think they're worse. And you know what? If you have a true view of your heart 
before a holy and loving God, you can put your name right there and say, I am the worst. And that is why we say over and over again, this is a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am the worst. And you can say you're the worst. Because here's the deal. When we know God, we know that it is God's mercy and kindness that led us to repentance. Because we were broken and the worst. Because, and I'm going to quote it one more time, no one is too messed up for Jesus to restore them. No one. Not you not the worst sinner you know, because I'm going to tell you something. If you knew how black my heart was, you would understand this, that I set the bar low at Harvest Ridge. If God will let me be your pastor, the bar is really low for everybody else in the space. Because, come on, can you say it with me? No one is too messed up for Jesus to restore them. I think the church has lost its purpose. So I want to bring us back to our purpose today. I want to pull back the, the doors and let you see the heart of who we are as a church. We are not here to gather a crowd. We are not here to change the government. We are not here to set the moral guidelines and compass of a nation. We are here to see sinners restored. That's why we exist. That is our reason for being. We're here to see people who are far from God brought into his fullness, his joy, his life, and his restoration, his restoration that gives people hope. That's why we're here. And it doesn't matter what's happened or where you're at or how far you've gone or how bad things have gotten. No place is too far for Jesus to restore you. Because nobody, nobody in this entire earth is too messed up for Jesus to restore them. Would you stand to your feet in honor of God's word? Paul writes in 1 Timothy chapter 2, writing to Paul, I urge then, He's being pretty straightforward here, right? I urge you that what? Come on. What's the priority here? First. First of all, before anything else, that petitions, prayers, intercession, and thanksgiving be made for all people, for kings and all those in authority, that we may live peaceful and quiet lives in all godliness and holiness. We're not here to change the government. We're here to pray for them. We're here to live godly lives and to take care of our house instead of complaining about the White House. It is our job to live godly lives and to pray for those in authority rather than to be one more problem for those in authority. I don't care whether you're right or you're left in your politics. You're wrong. You get a few things right, you get a lot wrong. Why don't we do this? Why don't we quit trying to be super moral conscience for the entire world? And why don't we try to be people of God who live holy, godly lives and who pray for those that have to make harder decisions than you and I will ever face? That's 
That's good preaching, Paul. <laughs> and, and notice what it says in verse, verse three. The next, can you put up the next slide? This is what? Yeah, the reason you're so ticked off all the time is you're not living good. This, I live holy, righteous, godly life, and I pray for those who, who are in authority. This is good and pleases God our Savior. I'm not saying you don't get involved. I'm not saying you don't do things. I'm just simply saying, quit making it your stinking priority in life. Make it third or fourth down the row and put first that you live a godly life and that you put your house in order and then pray for others. Then you can worry about number two, three, and four. This is good and pleases God our Savior. Who wants, hold on, let me see. What does that say right there? Who wants, how many people? Could everybody say that one three-letter word with me? Who wants all. all people to be saved and come to knowledge of the truth? For there is one God, and how many mediators? There's only one mediator between God and between humanity, and that is the man Christ Jesus. How many mediators are there? One. Who is that mediator? Christ Jesus. Christ Jesus. You guys are getting this. Who gave himself as a ransom for all people. And this has now been witnessed in the proper time. <laughs> in other words, Paul's saying, and I'm telling you about it, so you listen. And this passage is the core of who we are as a church and why we exist. Father, I pray that today you would bless the reading of your word. Let me for a couple of minutes explain it in a way that it would settle in our hearts. In the name of Jesus, we pray it. Everyone said? Turn and give somebody a big smile before you're seated. Just give them a big smile. Let them know that you care and you like them. If you're online, there. I mean that from the bottom of my heart. Smile. I'm glad you're here. So I want to give you three statements about God's will. I'm going to do this fast. So y'all buckle your seatbelts. Here we go. Three statements about God's will. Number one, God wants everyone to be saved. God wants everyone to be saved. Now, let me just stop for a second and say that if you have any theological point of view that says anything different than this, you are mistaken and you will be fighting against God's stated will and purpose. There are Reformed theologians, Calvinists, and others that believe that God predestines some people to be saved and predestines others to be lost. And I have a very strong issue with that for a very clear reason. The scripture is not silent, but is crystal clear regarding God's will for all people. God wants everyone to be saved. I will prove that to you from these verses we call scripture. 1 Timothy chapter 2 verse 3 says, This is good and pleases God our Father who wants all people to be saved. That is not a partial all. That is all people to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. That is a very clear statement. But in you, case you think it's just Paul that said it, how about we check out what Peter said? You know Peter, the guy who, uh, well, let me see, Second Peter chapter 3, verse 9. The Lord is patient with you, not wanting anyone not even a single person to perish, but every person to come to repentance. How many people does God want saved? 
Everyone. Every person that's ever lived. It doesn't matter what they've done. It doesn't matter where they've been. It doesn't matter what they look like. It doesn't matter how they have been abused or they have abused. It doesn't matter whether they're rich or poor or black or white. It doesn't matter any of those things. This church of Jesus Christ is for all who will come to Christ and repent and will believe that God can restore them. All. Everyone. Not just in America, but around the world. Not just those we know and love and pray for, but for all people. For those on the exteriors of culture and society. All people. Now, I remember struggling with this. Because there are a lot of ramifications to this statement. I, uh, I went to um, Taiwan when I was in Bible college. And I met people in Taiwan who were more moral than me. And I'm coming to tell them to believe in Jesus to be saved, but yet they're more moral than I am. They were actually better people than me. If you know anything about my early life, I was not really that quality of a person. And I'm meeting people that the bar is here with them and I'm down here and I'm telling them you have to believe in Jesus. And I struggled with that. I struggled with that a lot and it's all right to struggle with that. But I do want you to know that a coexist bumper sticker doesn't change the fact that God wants all people to be saved in all places, which leads us to... Let, let, me, let me take this one more place before we get there. Not everybody receives Jesus. And the reason they don't is because God gives you a choice. Romans chapter 10 verse 9 says, if you, if you, if, by the way, if gives a possibility it can't happen. If you declare with your mouth, Jesus is the Lord. And by the way, in the Greek, it literally means if you, you, declare with your mouth, Jesus is the Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified. It is with your mouth that you profess and are saved. So you cannot be saved without you making an open confession from your mouth of Jesus' lordship of your life. You cannot be saved without declaring Jesus is Lord with your mouth, somehow making that declaration. You can't be saved. And I know this, that God is a gentleman and he will never force you to do what you refuse to do. All these people that, that say things like that, they're wrong. They're, they're just, come on. Back in the Garden of Eden, back in the Garden of Eden, you remember? God made man in his image. And, and God has the freedom of choice. And he gave you, you are an image bearer of God. And he gave you the ability to make choices with your life. And you choose, will Jesus be your Lord? Or will you continue to act like you're your Lord? That is your free choice. So God wants everybody to be saved. But some people are not saved because they choose not to. Second thing we need to know is that God has provided one way for salvation. God wants everybody to be saved, but he's provided one way for salvation. Not many ways. Your coexist bumper sticker may say something, but it does not speak the truth. They may all get along, but there's only one way to get to heaven. That's what this passage teaches. 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 5, there's one God and one mediator between God and mankind the man, Christ Jesus. So there's only one mediator. There are not many. I don't care if you're praying to a saint. 
or you're praying to your aunt or uncle, or you're praying to Mary, or you're praying to Buddha, it doesn't matter who you're praying to. God's not listening unless the mediator, Jesus, is taking that request to his throne. I, that sounds narrow-minded. I told you I struggled with this. I came back from Taiwan and I started asking questions like, how can this possibly be that Jesus is the only way? And what do we do with all these good moral people around the world? And I struggled with it. I wrestled with it. And I fought with it. And, and I came back to a very simple conclusion, all right? Jesus is the only person in the history of the world to call his own death, burial, and resurrection, then pull it off, be seen by over 500 people, and get taken up into glory with them watching. And I read the other stories. I went and got out the book called The Resurrection of the Son of God. It's an N.T. Wright book. It's about that big. And it goes through all of the, the other stories in antiquity of people who were resurrected from the dead. And I will tell you, there is not a resurrection story anywhere in antiquity until after Jesus that sounds anything like the resurrection of Jesus. And I will tell you one other thing. There's not a single resurrection story anywhere in antiquity where there are people who viewed it happen and then on top of that were willing to die because they saw it happen. The resurrection of Jesus stands alone in history. And because he said, I will die on a cross, I will be buried, and I will be resurrected on the third day, and then he pulled it off, and he was witnessed not by a few delusional people, but on multiple occasions, multiple places, by multiple people. If you can do that, and you can pull it off, I would believe you're God too. So how many mediators are there? There's only one, and that is established because Jesus is the only mediator. I don't care who you're praying to, they're not listening if it's not Jesus. Acts 4.12 says the same thing. Salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to mankind by which we must be saved. Jesus said in John 14, 6, this won't be on your screen, but John 14, 6, he says, I am the way, the truth, the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. I, I'm not sure if you're getting this, but what I'm laying down is this, is that there is only one way to be in right relationship with God, and it is only through Jesus Christ. So does anybody remember junior high? You remember when you got your first locker and you had like five minutes in between classes and you had to run to your locker and put your books up and grab your next books and go, did anybody go through that other than me? My parents did something because they didn't want the hooligans at Arcoma Middle School to steal all of my stuff. So they bought me a combination locker. Does anybody remember those? Combo locker. And you'd go to class and you'd be like, zoom, 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 zoom. And if you got the numbers right, it would open. But if you missed a turn or you didn't get the numbers right, what would happen? You'd be late to class and you'd get another detention, right? Y'all are following me here. If you've ever had a combo lock, well, you, there are thousands of possible combinations to open that lock, right? And down the hallway, there's all these other locks with all these possible combinations. But if you hold that lock in your hand, there's only one combination that works to open that lock. All others will not work. 
When it comes to salvation, there's only one name given under heaven by which we must be saved. There's only one combination to get you into heaven. And if you think a person is narrow-minded, harsh, hate-filled, whatever, because they say that, maybe just consider for a second, if you've had the real combination and your heart's been open to the forgiveness and love and mercy of God, you want other people to experience it as well. Which leads to our third point. God wants believers to share Christ's love. Back in 1 Timothy chapter 1, I urge then, first of all, that petitions, prayers, intercession, and thanksgiving be made for all people. So you lead with prayer and you follow up with words. A lot of us do exactly the opposite. We lead with words and we tell everybody what they ought to think and then we follow up with prayer, maybe, maybe. If you want to be successful as a witness or you want to be successful in sharing the good news with people, the first thing you do is you actually pray for people to receive the good news of Jesus. You actually pray for them and you pray, God, help them through their time of trial. God, help their marriage be restored. God, give them some kind of future after their marriage has been destroyed. God, give them hope in the middle of their crisis. God, help them in their sickness. Come on, we were at a restaurant the other day and a lady comes by and she could barely breathe. I didn't force this. I do what I do. I said, can I pray for you? And I prayed for her before she said yes. Why? Because, because I want God to get in touch with her and her to get in touch with God. So we start, I urge, if God wants you to be his representative on earth, he wants to share life with you, begin to be a prayer and begin to ask God to move in those situations. That's the reason tonight I'm asking every person who shows up at Harvest Ridge, who shows up at the park, I want you to meet one person. I want you to get their name. I want you to pray for them all year long. Maybe you can take a picture with them. Maybe it's so awkward you can't take a picture and you just remember their name. Maybe, you know, you can share addresses or phone numbers and talk to each other through the year. But I want you to find a name of a person of somebody that needs Jesus Christ and to pray for them for a year because I know God will listen to your prayers to bring restoration to them. See, we believe that God wants believers to share God's love. It's the only way people will hear those people around the world, they'll only hear when a believer tells them. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 14, for Christ's love compels us. What compels us? I'm right. No. Being right does not compel us. Love compels us. The fact that we care, the fact that we have experienced the restoring work of God in our hearts, we may have messed up problems in our lives, but come on, come on. You know what happened in your heart when you gave your life to Jesus. You know we started that process of restoring you and it's painful, but you know that he's doing something and you feel it. And because of that, you want to share it. We said for years that all it is is one blind or one beggar telling another beggar where you can find food. It's all we are. And so Christ's love compels us because we're convinced that one died for all. I wish I had time to get into the theology of this. I don't. One died for all and therefore all died. Just very simple. If you trust Jesus Christ with your life, your old you is dead. You are dead. The you that used to be alive is dead. 
And that's why we do baptism. We celebrate your death, your burial, and your resurrection with Jesus. We are convinced that you are dead now, and the life you live, you live through Jesus Christ. He died for all that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died and was raised again. Come on, we, Christ's love compels us because we've experienced something. We want others to experience it. 2 Corinthians 5.18, all this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and he gave us something. He gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That God was reconciling the world to himself and not counting people's sins against them and he is committed to you. He is committed to you and to me, the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassador. What is an ambassador? An ambassador is somebody that goes to a foreign country and represents the interests and the power of the United States government in another country. You are Christ's ambassador. You are now seated with God in the heavenly realms. He has restored you and given you life. And your job is now to be an ambassador of Christ, representing his power, his authority, his presence, his purposes on this earth. Because you are a citizen of heaven and you have been given the authority and the right to be an ambassador on this earth. And he has committed to you the ministry of reconciliation. That God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting people sins against them and he's committed to us that ministry of reconciliation we therefore are Christ's ambassadors as though God were making his appeal through us we implore you on Christ's behalf be reconciled to God implore you that's a strong word yes we speak things we pray things we love in a way that implores people. You know what imploring is? It's begging somebody to do what's in their best interest. You know what we are? We're Christ's ambassadors. So I was in like the fifth grade and there was this girl I thought was cute. So I did it. I wrote the note. <laughs> do you like Kevin? Yes. Nice, neat box. No, not so neat of a box. And I wanted to give it to her, but I, I didn't have the guts. So you know what I did? Ask one of my buddies, would you deliver this note to this girl? You know what he did? He took the note and he delivered it. I got a note back. Yeah. Heartbroken I was. But you know what? You know what you are? Maybe it's fifth grade analogy, but you know what you are? You're the note carrier. God in his simplicity and his love is sending notes to the world saying, would you love me? Would you love me? And you're the note carrier. It's all you are. We implore you, for Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. So, in this moment, I'm going to ask you to just bow your head for a second. I've got to start here. If you're in this room and you have never made Jesus Lord, today would be a great day to make him your Lord. He loves you. 
He wants you in relationship with him. And if you would like to make Jesus your Lord today, I, I'd, I'd like to pray with you. Would you just lift your hand really high if you're in this room and you'd like to receive Jesus as your Savior? Would you lift your hand really high? I'd love to pray with you. Yes. There are others? Yes. Yes, sir. There are others? It's your day. Yes. Can we do this together? Can everybody pray together? Everybody pray together. Nobody prays alone. This is a simple prayer. This isn't going to be your only prayer with God, but it's a good start. So could we just start it right now? Dear Jesus, I thank you for loving me. I give you my life. Please give me yours. I confess you as Lord. Thank you for restoring me. Amen. Now, if you prayed that prayer and you meant it, really meant it, God started to work in your heart right now. And that start, it's going to take you on a journey of life and restoration and hope. It's going to be cool. It's going to mess you up horrible. You're not going to be able to sin anymore. You're going to be lousy at it. You're going to get caught and everything's going to mess up every time you try. God's going to restore you. The rest... Let's support those that are being restored. Pray with them, love them, go out of our way. Hey, you know what we're going to do tonight? We're going to represent Jesus Christ to people who have never heard the gospel. There will be people there that have never heard it. We're going to show the love of Christ. So be open to the promptings of the Holy Spirit. Love people. Be patient. Be loving. Be kind. Be self-controlled in your responses. By the way, all of those things I just mentioned are fruit of the Spirit. Give the fruit of the Spirit to the community that needs it so badly. And we're going to do something together here. We're going to celebrate communion together. So if you are uh, in the room, you don't have a communion element.